Peace, peace, peace. You in tune to Out the Box Talks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the deal? We were trying to get our stuff set up live, so um, we officially live on YouTube. Um, this is our first time doing this. This is the Out the Box Talks podcast episode 16, right, A-Level? 1-6. You're now listening to the South Bronx Finest. It's A-Level, the flyest. Word. Let me just get some sound effects going, man. So... We are here, man. We have made it to episode 16. Um, I'm just so excited to come back for another episode. This year is a big year for Out the Box Talks, Out the Box in general. Yes, sir, absolutely. Or how you doing, brother? Everything is great. Uh, just really um, charged by a lot of some new hip-hop. You know, hip-hop is getting really boring for me. You know what I'm saying? And I was, like, really not interested, but... There's some latest releases that have come out, you know, that have really just drawn my interest. Um, um, in fact, uh, what just came out maybe, what what was it, yesterday or two days ago? The Allegory? Oh, yeah, the um, Royce joint, right? Royce. Yo, that's crazy, man. That, that album, album is flavor. Wow. Flavor, man. I mean, this this is what people need to hear right now. Word up, And this is word what up. we were discussing earlier today, you know, with um, people being able to step their MC level up and as far as maturity is concerned because I mean we can all talk about you know the money and and how much I flow and how I'm nice like this and I'm nice like that but when you can take it to a level and put spoken word in the way that it is on this album like addressing every issue you know political yeah everything you know what I'm saying so and put it within such a context that it just actually, this album actually feels like a spoken word album. Wow. It just happens to have some music laced onto it, you know what I mean? And just to hear the fact that he actually worked on the beats as well, too, on the beat side of it, that was impressive. Yo, you know I didn't saying? even realize that he worked on the beats. And yo, big ups to Royce, because I was coming close to get him for an interview mm. for our show, mm. but it didn't happen at least not yet. It's still going to happen. But we're going to make gonna it happen. happen. Still you know what I'm saying? Yep, yep, yep. But uh, I urge anyone within listening to this a podcast right now, go out and get the allegory. You know, you are not going to be disappointed. Um, I will put this album, like, for me, within the same vein of, a, of America's Most Wanted, um, Ice Cube, you know, all of those albums that that's what this reminds me of. It gives me that kind of feel, you know. Even even um the the, the Kendrick album, um, um, to pimp a butterfly, it gives me that kind of feel. Like this is something bigger than just hip hop music that he touched on in here. So um, yeah, it's been that. Of course, you know, still on the the, the J Watch alert. You know, I'm waiting for that to come out. Um, I've actually just started to. Listen to some Griselda stuff. You know what I mean? Um, okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I've, I've heard about a lot, a lot about them. You know, I'm like, you know, let me just see what these guys are about. You know. Yeah. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah. I mean, how do you feel about them? Man, I'm. <laughs> you know, we could have kept this for another episode. I think. I, I, I think. I, I'm. I'm a. I recognize all the moves that they've been making, man. I haven't, honestly, I haven't, like, taken the time to really, like, really follow their movement. I think their production duo is is amazing. 
Um, the actual sonics that we're getting from them is really dope. Um, but you know, um, that's pretty much the most of it. I haven't really checked out their catalog like that, you know, but, um, you know, I guess I'll get around to, to getting more into them to see, you know, what it is. Cause it's definitely a hype going with them and I'm not a hype kind of person, but, uh, I, I gotta give it some more listen, you know, but, uh, speaking of, you know, all the things that's happening with the new Royce album and all the moves that hip hop is making, we wanted to touch base today to talk about a topic that we posted in our hip hop group, uh, Hip Hop Thinks Out the Box, right? On our Facebook group called Hip Hop Thinks Out the Box. Now, this is a post that I made just kind of <laughs> following the climate of hip hop and just mm -hmm. having an understanding of the critique of hip hop was um, the post I made. I posed the question Has hustle? and business success become more rewarded than conscious subject matter in hip-hop. And we got some <laughs> feedback on our Facebook group. Yep. We also got some feedback and some responses on the One Mic Facebook on group, MIC. which we are frequent as well. And, you know, I just wanted to say, man, um, it was some really interesting conversation. And... I also want to say, like, if you're listening right now, like, and you want to call in to really give your perspective on this topic, like, you haven't had a chance to voice yourself, or even if you did, like, definitely you could call in right now because we are actually live. 718-509-9305. That's 718-509-9305 for the Out the Box Radio Show podcast. Definitely. So thank you. you. You beat me to it. I'm glad you got that number in, man. So yeah, definitely call in. That's the number you could actually call right now. We are live. So if you're tuning in, you could call in right now. Now, the other thing I want to say, um, you know, that topic is a topic that coincides with the number of topics that we've been discussing weeks before. Like, the last episode we did, episode 15, mm -hmm. where we talked about um, is there room for morality in the record industry? Right. Me and you were talking earlier today, mm -hmm. and we was like, wow, this thing is like meshing. It, right. it's, it's, it's like connected. Right. So um, what do you think about that, that post, man, or that question that I raised? Is, has hustle and business success become more rewarded than conscious subject matter in hip hop. Oh, Do you understand where I'm going with that? Absolutely. I understand where exactly where you're going with it. Okay. Because the answer to that question is um it has. No one cares about consciousness. You know why people doesn't don't care about consciousness? Because consciousness in its simplest definition is to raise awareness. Once I raise awareness about things that I'm unaware about, and now that I do become aware of it, my boss has this, 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 this great line <laughs> in the work where he says, when you found out about it, who did you tell? What did you do about it? Right, right. There's an ownership. There's an accountability for you to do something about it because it's not just about you just knowing about it. And the thing is, people don't want to know about the negative things. They want to be told a lie. Tell me a lie. Tell me a dream. Tell me a fantasy. Tell me something that, you know, you know, 
tell me a, a, a gangster war story over here that takes me to another place and, you know, where I can live this person out that I've always wanted to be, but I don't have the courage to be myself. Yeah. Let me live out this, 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 this fancy exotic life where me, myself, I have absolutely no intentions of taking steps to move towards that. Right. But I want to see that in somebody else. Mm. Then be reminded of who I am, which is terrible. Definitely. We, we, it, it takes us out of this. We, we want to be taken away from who we really are. Because we don't want to face who we really are. So no one wants consciousness. You know, I want to talk about making moves and making money. And doing the things that constantly feed the things that are not good for me. Wow. You just said a mouthful right there, man. Uh, America, we are obsessed with death. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Slow death, long death, like it, it ultimately leads to the same place. Right. You know, Whoa. from the way we eat to what we listen to, everything involves that. Mm. I mean, um, this, this is such a broad topic because I think the underlying theme that we have here from this topic to the previous topic about um, is, there more, is there room for morality in the record yes. industry or is hip-hop still a culture or is it a game? I think the underlying theme and the word that stands out in all of those things, common denominator is righteousness. Mm. You know... Righteousness. That's a great point because... You know, when I was thinking about this topic, as I thought more about it, I was like, okay, what, if I really had to uncover this, what created this, right? What created this idea that um, business, business success and hustle and just making money moves is more rewarding than the actual music and the message in the music, right? And I thought about it and I said, you know what, man? If you really think about it, the purpose of business is to stay in business and to be profitable. And I feel like the people who had the ability to develop hip-hop from a business perspective, they didn't have the art form and the integrity of the art form at heart. So what do you have when materialism and recreational drug use, you know, is fostering profit as a result of it being said in the lyrics or in the music? What do you do as a business person, right? If you're strictly a business person and you don't have that moral backbone, you're going to allow it to just... Do what it do to make more money. But if you have a, a consciousness or a moral connection to this and you see this as something that could be powerful either negatively or positively, you know, you really, you know, put your conscience to this, you wouldn't make a decision like that. You know what I mean? And right. I feel like ultimately that's what's going to enable this to change. We're going to need a moral mindset 
to be able to still have hip hop thrive as a business, but to also have integrity with the art form. It is still an art form. It is still music. But I feel like people don't get recognition for the music. And just to clarify what I meant by the, the question, what I really was trying to get at is the fact that people are not paying attention to the lyrics. They're not giving it the credit that they, it needs over the hustle. That's what I think. Yeah, I mean, for me, it really comes back to both. It, it, co it goes to both sides of it. It goes down to the responsibility of the listener and the responsibility of the people that are the, the people that are in control of the platforms or behind the platforms pushing this stuff. Cause it's all done by design at the end of the day. You know, um, you have a slew of rappers out here pushing positivity, but they don't get the same platforms that a, a Drake or, you know, you know, for lack of better cause of name dropping, you know what I'm saying? These are the examples that you have. I mean, these artists that just represent what is safe for this industry when it comes to topics. Um, we don't really want you to go out of the area of sex, money, and misogyny. Yeah. The moment you start talking about um, uh, generational wealth, mm. you know, things that are positive, things that are going to more so uplift people than bring people down. Right. You will notice in the industry, when was the last record that pushed some, some positivity that was successful? Mm. When was the last time? Lauren Hill, Miseducation? Or maybe not even have to go back that far. I mean. Yeah, Kendrick. I feel like there's, there's music that's come out, but right. I, I don't feel like that's what is promoted or pushed to the forefront. And on a mega level. On a mega I mean? level, yeah. You know, which which is why I'm I'm proud of 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 Royce for doing this album because a lot of his contemporaries are not doing that. Mm -hmm. Too many of his contemporaries are not doing it. Absolutely, because it's a bold step, it's a mature step, you know, into actually doing something to challenge people to think. No one wants to think about anything. You too. You, you, we getting too old. <laughs> not to be thinking anymore. You know what I'm saying? Definitely. You know, you know, you know, children children can afford to be careless to an extent, but you know, when you're an adult now, are we still talking about selling drugs? We you know still saying? talking about using drugs. We still talking about getting high. We still talking about doing this and talking about doing that. Y'all dudes is parents, yo. Where's the music that you know that that relates to people like us? Right, that are married with families, and we have nine to fives. And I want to hear some rappers speak to those realities. You Word. know what I'm saying? Word. Speak to that reality, and that's why you know when you brought up that whole thing with with the little brother and the album that they released. Yeah, that's a grown man's album. You know. You know. Here, here's my thing, right? And you know, you know this. We've talked about this quite a lot. We know that there's quality MCs out there. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I'm when Nas was talking that hip hop is dead, uh, as much as I respect and I'm a huge fan of Nas, like I knew in my heart that it wasn't dead because I was always connected to the underground. Mm -hmm. So I feel like 
I'm not I'm not making this statement to say, oh, hip hop, it, it ain't conscious hip hop out there no more. If you know me and out the box, you know I know that because that's all I pretty much put out there. You know what I mean? But um, what I was trying to say is that it's not recognized by the masses. You know what I'm saying? And and we know that. And hip hop as a whole. As a whole. You know. Yeah. Like when 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 your average rapper that becomes really 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 successful, let's say his music has a lot of like gun talk or degrading stuff in the music, when he or she, because it's happening with females too, um, when they when they get interviewed by like somebody big in press, what do the press usually ask them? They ask them about their moves that they make. They ask them about everything except. For their music because they probably know if they go into their music it's gonna be a lot of stuff that is not exposed is not is is gonna be exposed but a lot of stuff that's not that's 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 derogatory or not um for say, kids in, you know what i mean incriminating them that's what happens yeah <laughs> you know? so we we know what we seeing you know what i mean and i feel like we had a few heads on the group that was kind of like talking about you know trying to defend I felt like they were trying to defend ratchetness, you know, like, <laughs> like it's one thing to be like, yo, I like that type of music, you know, cause there's, there's, there's music that I wouldn't play around my kids or around kids, um, that I'd probably listen to It's one thing to like that for yourself, but it's a next thing to be like, you know what, to try to justify to it try all to the time. Validate it. If that's what you like, then just say that word. That's my opinion, you know. Yes, I know it's not positive and anything like that, but that's where I am and that's what I like. But don't sit there and try to legitimize it, validate it, you know what I'm saying, as this is the thing to be and this is what everybody should be doing. Yeah. No, that's your opinion, you know? Word. I could dig it, man. So A-Level, man, Um, we got another, we got an artist that's calling in tonight. So I just want to let the folks know we're going to have John Robinson calling in actually in a very, probably in a couple minutes. So uh, we're going to talk to him. And if people uh, still want to call in, you know, the number is out. You could still call us, but we're going to have him on the line. Just want to let folks know that. And, it, you know, if I didn't emphasize it already, I just wanted to explain the difference between, you know, consciousness. Consciousness is just basically bringing up a stirring awareness, right? Word. You have consciousness. Just because I'm conscious, conscious doesn't necessarily mean that I'm an activist. I mean, I can know something all I want, but if I have no intentions of doing anything about it, there's a difference. So, I mean, that's just that's just basically what I have to say about that. But, you know, Royster 5-9, man, they, you really need to go out and cop that. So support you know, music that is just basically taking people, taking people's brain wavelengths to the next level because these are the writings on the walls that we need to leave for our children. I could definitely dig it, man. Um, this is a conversation that we are, I'm sure is going to come up again, <laughs> probably more than once again for the year. But, um, these are conversations that I feel is important for us to have. I have to give a shout out to Stickman from Dead Prez, um, who he did a, a, a post on Instagram really critiquing 
you know, the state of hip hop. And he, he pretty much said hip hop doesn't have a heart anymore. And I mean, the brother, if you go to his Instagram page, you could find the actual post. But I got to give him love because to me, he keeps winning because everything he's done from the workout album, and he's actually about to re release workout two it, uh, next week. Um, so I think by the time you hear this episode on the podcast, um, it should be out. Um, but I mean, like his whole position on hip hop was like, we, we, we know better, you know what I'm saying? And we see the same stuff perpetuated over and over the same violent behavior, the same negativity, the same, um, disrespect for women. But when somebody dies, we mourn and <laughs> we get sad, but then we go back to the same right, thing. You right. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, we need to be able to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and really, like, address it for real. And I'm just so grateful that he, he as an MC, you know, is speaking for his peers, you know? So, um, I mean, for me, like, it, it just... It just speaks to where we are. You know, no one wants to be held accountable, especially the artists. You got a lot of these artists out here that just say that they make music and this is what we do. We don't raise children. Parents raise children and want to and want to bypass the responsibility part. What happens at the end of the day is we ain't gotten this ain't this this ain't the seventies and the sixties anymore, man. Mm -hmm. Where you got there's someone at the podium or there's someone at the pulpit that's gonna speak on your behalf. In fact that they are now. That's the dudes on the mic. You know, hip hop we was just discussing er earlier, is probably the most powerful musical vehicle on the planet. From the from the culture it influences Everything and everybody, whether they realize it or not, you know, and when, when you when you have these things happening, you as an artist going to say, um, well, I make music, but I'm not that's not my, that's that's your responsibility to talk to your kids about it. Mm, that's but crazy. Right? You're, you're raising your own kids and you're feeding your kids. From the you know with this from from this music that you're spewing out there destroying other kids' minds, crazy. So would you let your kids listen to that? It comes back to morality again. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That morality word keeps coming up. <laughs> would you let your treat people the way you want to be treated? But just like people are not treating people the way they want to be treated, they're just basically saying, you know what, this is what I do to you, and whatever happens, that's on you. No ownership for nothing. You know, it goes back into the contracts and everything else, man. How are you going to offer someone something that you wouldn't sign yourself? Wow. And live with yourself. And live Crazy. with yourself. You, you, you consciously know what you're giving this person. You're raping them blind. Like how the lock said on, on the, the We Are The Streets album. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Raping you records. They were referring to Bad Boy. They were Yo. referring to Puff. You know what I'm saying? Yo, I really, truly think that we get, we just got to be truthful, B. 
I really think it just ends with being truthful. And I think the industry believes literally that if it's truthful with people, then they're not going to make any money. It's not going to be profitable. Yeah. That's that's the myth that's yeah. going on in, in the record industry for years. Right, 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 right. We can't tell you what's really happening. If, if we tell you what's really happening, we're not going to make any money. Wow. So we have to be genuinely dishonest with you. I look like that's uh, JR calling in. So we're going to come back, but uh, we're going to go to the line. Peace, peace, peace. Peace, brother, peace. What's good, JR? Mm. This is Krill. Out the box. Thanks for yes. calling in, my brother. No doubt, no doubt, man. What How up, what doing? up, what up, though? This is Big A-Lev. What's going on, John? Peace. What's good? What's good? Yo, man. Can you hear us good? You can hear both of us? Yeah, yeah, I hear both of y'all. Wonderful, wonderful, man. Listen, man, I know it's been <laughs> almost a whole year trying to get to have you on the show, man. So I'm at least glad I could have you on the phone. <laughs> you know what I mean? No so doubt, no doubt. Much yeah, respect, man. man. You've been doing so much major stuff, man. And I always appreciate um, the moves that you've been making as far as hip-hop is concerned, man. So what's good? Yo, all is good. All is good, man. I've definitely been, um, you know, just staying in tune to the ethos of out the box. And, you know, I'm definitely... Uh, Glad to, you know, just watch and have witnessed the growth. Yo. You know what I'm saying? I remember mm. when you were just starting out into now and just continuing to push forward. And I just start off by saying that platforms like this are very important for, you know, artists like myself and creatives like myself. Word on. Let me give you a clap up for that, man. Yeah. Salute. Yeah. <laughs> Appreciate yeah, that, man. man. Word, word. Um... I really appreciate that, man. Um, and I, I've I've gotten a chance to just witness your growth, man, throughout the years, man. So, you know, I do want to start off. Let me just also say that we are streaming live on YouTube right now. Um, so okay. for people that are listening, we're streaming live. But the actual show will be put up as a podcast uh, for people to listen to on demand on Friday. Um, but... JR, give the people a little history on yourself, man. I really want to give you a, f a official introduction for the people that might not no know doubt. you. You know, just give them a history on your journey to where you are right now. Um, okay, I'll I'll give a concise history. Yes, man, yes, concise. I, That's a <laughs> yeah, lot. Yeah, just a briefing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Word up. But yeah, I mean, basically, you know, um, I shouldn't say basically because it's not basic. Started here in New York, you know, um, career-wise, was scowling the underground hip-hop scene of New York City uh, really since the early and mid-90s. And um, my group, Science of Life, we put out our first couple vinyls through Bobito Garcia's Fondalum Records. Okay. And, you know... Those who know Bobito Garcia, they know, you know, what he's contributed to the culture by way of radio and yeah. so many other things. But, you know, at the time that that happened, that literally took my group from the local scene to a global scene pretty much instantaneously just because of the network that he's built over the years and just the brand and trust that he's built just through his tastemaker abilities 
So it allowed us to then begin to explore over across seats, you know, so we began to start traveling. Our first time uh, traveling abroad was in 99. And I would say pretty much every year since then, I've made a trip somewhere out of the country, you know, just to continue to build and uh, <clears throat> add on and enterprise onto the journey. So really in that time, you know, I think it's important to note one of the fairest, most concise, realist, transparent deals I've ever had was the Fondulum deal, and there was no contract. It was a handshake deal, wow. you know, and I took a lot of pride in that later because I realized that's how indigenous folks did business, you know. Mm. Indigenous folks did business more on their word being their bond versus the European contract way. You know mm. what I'm saying? We learn contracts really from European culture. And when Bob did that for me, he allowed me to just really see what was real as I journeyed further. And, you know, there was a lot of loopholes, but then it also put me on this entrepreneurial mindset from the beginning mm. of just wanting to know more about the business. You know, he was one that would invite us to his house or to Barbados Footwork store mm. and show us the books, show us where all the music was selling at, who had stock, what numbers were here and there. And it just gave me this instant love for the business early. Um, soon after that, uh, we moved to Atlanta. We, we signed a record deal with a label, Subverse Music, here in New York City that was overseen by Big Just mm -hmm. uh, of Company Flow. And then we moved to Atlanta and I won't get into it. I'll save this for when we when I actually come to the show. But we basically signed, in my opinion, one of the most groundbreaking independent record deals of its time because it allowed us to, in exchange for um, really our living expenses, uh, access to a van, 15-passenger van, access to other amenities to allow us to tour on our own and build this enterprising machine. We became a satellite office for the label in the Southeast in Atlanta. Mm. So a lot of people don't know this. We would go based in Atlanta. We would go to new Orleans. We would go to Florida. We would go to Tennessee. We would go to South End, North Carolina and a lot of the spots, Alabama in the Southeast that lyricist lounge, and all of these other uh, renowned underground East Coast New York hip hop entities kind of was bubbling there, but people never went there mm. because everyone was stuck in the Northeast. So we took advantage of that and leveraged that, you know. And then also when we moved to Georgia, MF Doom was living in Atlanta at the time. So that's when our relationship started to really blossom, working wow. a lot with MF Doom. Did you meet and, Doom? You know, was, for the, I'm sorry. Did you meet Doom for the first time in Atlanta, or did you know him when you was in New York? You know, it's crazy. First time we met Doom, um, we were actually at Bobito's store, Footwork, <laughs> kind of checking on the records and talking about releasing a second record. And Bob asked us if we met Doom. We all said no, and he said, "Yo, he just left the store. He's probably trying to catch a cab, like up the street." <laughs> We run out the store, ran up the street. We see Doom out there. And that's how we met him. Okay. He was jumping in the cab. We said, what up real quick? And he was off. 
next time we saw Doom before moving to Atlanta, because um, we moved actually, we moved there 2000. And before moving to Atlanta in 1999, we had our first show in Atlanta at MJQ, got to the sound check, and MF Doom was standing outside. Crazy. Wow. You're like, yo, what are you doing here? He's like, yo, I live down here now. Wow. And yep. by the time we got down there, you know, he became one of uh, the people that we networked with. And, you know, shoot, I, I'll let it be known, too, that we definitely helped usher in Doom also doing business with Subverse and re-releasing Operation Doomsday and releasing for the first time wow. the Black Bastards album that nice. was shelved by Elektra nice. and never put out because of the controversial artwork and then also the untimely passing of Doom's brother, Subrock. Right, Subrock, rest in peace, yeah. Brother, you know? I want to yeah. say that you are a blessing in disguise for this show today, man, because um, you are definitely illustrating you know, a lot of the points that we've been trying to make for the last several episodes. Um, today's episode, as it, as it pertains to, I know we called you about, you know, the enterprising and the entrepreneurship mm -hmm. and hip-hop. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But the question I want to pose to you from someone who entered the game, you know, like that already, someone explaining the business to you, and I know you've probably been hearing this buzzing on social media with regards to Puffy getting on stage and um, oh, yeah, talking absolutely. and how Mace, yeah. Mace is blasting him and stuff like that. And the subject that we had for the last episode was like, is there room for morality in the hip hop, in, in, in the record industry? And for this particular episode, I hope I'm not giving you too much, but... Um, um, yeah, the topic was... For this particular episode, the topic was because um, before we brought you on, we were we were talking about this topic, and it was dealing with has hustle and business success become more rewarded than conscious subject matter in hip hop, and hmm. the reason why I brought that up, and, and it was so dope to have you on tonight because I feel like you're an example of someone who is actually doing it right. Like you're not sacrificing your artistic integrity for financial gain. And I know you've been making Absolutely. like a lot of entrepreneurial moves. So mm -hmm. it, it just made sense to go with this topic because I wanted to, I wanted the, the people out here to know that there are people that are still making business moves and they, you know, you might not be as rich as a Jay-Z, but you're still making business moves, but you're not sacrificing the integrity of your music of your subject matter. No doubt, no doubt. Well, I'll, I'll start with the first question and say, yes, I definitely feel like there's room for morality. And I feel like there's room for a lot more, just really investment of the future. Meaning, you know, if we want this thing to blossom into you know, just something that we couldn't fathom and we thought was unimaginable, then it's up to us to make moves that kind of move in that direction. Mm. You know, I, I'll i say this, when Diddy made that statement, you know, I watched it. I remember being right in my crib, like, you know, on the couch, right. watching the little <laughs> clip on Instagram and saying, wow, that's probably the realest thing I've heard him say. Right. But then when the Mace thing came out, 
you know, I remember the time when, mm -hmm. you know, people in the major label game was buying up Cats Publishing because Cats didn't really know what it was. They didn't know the benefits of it. They didn't know that it meant what it meant then, but it would mean so much more down the line. They didn't understand that, yo, that publishing is like your fam. That's like your 401k in this rap biz, you know, or in this music right. business rather. Right. So yeah, to for Diddy to buy Mace's publishing, you know, we all know how big those songs were and still are, you know. So to buy that man's publishing for twenty thousand dollars, <laughs> and then not be willing to sell it back for two mil, which is of course it's worth way more than that. I feel like yeah, morally that's wrong, mm -hmm. and it kind of erases all that statement that he made at that event yeah you it deletes that it makes it obsolete because it's like you it lets me know you were saying that more for show right than your act coming from your actual heart and you know you living that statement mm -hmm. you're not living that statement because let's be real man everyone from our era of the culture especially from the independent entrepreneurial lens we looked at Diddy as the guy who robbed a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, you know, I and mean, did a lot of people wrong business wise because he knew a lot more than they did and took advantage of people. And my thing was You know, so I feel like, yeah, there's plenty of room and that would have been the perfect time for him to fix that publicly. Why not? And to address that. It's great to make a statement it. like that, but you should say starting with me. Word. No, that's humble, exactly. Word. and that lets you know that exactly. you're really truly being genuine Word. about what you're doing. Yeah, starting with totally. me. Yeah, you know? just just start. Totally. Yeah, it's amazing how like two little words would make a difference. You could have you know taken I mean? that away from Mace. Yeah, you could have taken that away from everybody. Yeah. Everybody that's gonna throw stones at you in the glass house now. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah, you're making a statement. Yeah. You know, I, I equated that to. Michael Jackson doing the opposite. You know, a lot of people know this, but some uh, most people don't know this. Like when Michael Jackson basically acquired a, a huge percentage of Sony Music's masters mm. in exchange for money they owed him, one of the first moves he made was he gave Little Richard back the ownership of mm. all of his masters that wow. were passively, you know, generating like five million a year based on licensing and sync placements right. and all the above. But you know what I'm saying? That's the type of mindset he was in that space because he realized like, yo, this is bigger than just little things that I can acquire and tangible things and greed, mm. you know? So I feel like, yo, Diddy in the space you're in right now, come on, brother, you've enterprised on so many different levels. Mm -hmm. Give this man back his publishing. You're a freaking like, billionaire. He owns that. You didn't write that. <laughs> yeah. You didn't write those things. That's yeah. what publishing is. That's the writing credit and ownership. You didn't write it, man. Give that man back his publishing. Mm -hmm. He did a lot of work. And real talk, he changed your life. Right. Yeah. He changed your life. He made man. he made you more successful. Because what exactly. I was saying is like you over here talking about don't worry if I write rhymes, I write checks. You're already acknowledging that you don't write rhymes. You're acknowledging that you exactly. don't really have much talent. Yeah. So why not look out for the people that help raise your career and your personality level? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Definitely. Yeah, man. Definitely. Yeah, man. But I would say, too, you know, when you're on that level, most of your mentors don't operate in that way. You know what I'm saying? Most mm -hmm. of his mentors, I mean, when he made the statement, 
he was standing next to Clive Davis. Mm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I doubt that Clive Davis would, you know, basically give him the advice of saying, yeah, you should totally give Mace back. <laughs> Those, uh, ownership of his publishing for a two million dollars cash that's a great deal I <laughs> that's doubt an interesting that he point with that and he yeah, said if you don't if point. you don't if, if this european guy if you can't match this offer then you yo have that's to wait crazy until right like, yeah exactly <laughs> like, bro. Yeah. but to say that publicly that's that's the part that i felt like made his statement obsolete right you know when he said that part that was the bigger part that showed the true greed in it that showed the depth of greed and really like, you know, the, the opposite of morality, right front facing right. publicly to right. all of us. It showed us like, yo, all of the stuff that we heard is real. And this is the, this is one of the, you know, this, the 2020 version of the confirmation right here, right before our <laughs> eyes, we heard it, Yeah, and you know, it, and I'm sorry. Um, but the thing is like, I was talking to to Krill like last episode was yeah. like Diddy is not the only person in this in this bloodline of of immorality issues when it comes to that. It's been happening since Sugar Hill Records, <laughs> you know. Oh yeah, Sylvia definitely. Robinson all exactly. the way down. Like black executives exactly. and black owners have been doing this to yeah to exactly. to, to our yeah. own yeah yeah. So this is this is See, one so one of the reasons why I never even thought to move into the space of, you know, approaching major labels in music is I had a lot of mentors who just taught me different early on mm. and was really against that. And the main reason they were against it is because, you know, I learned early in the game, most, most musicians that work with major labels never own their music. And mm. most of them end up owning, if they're lucky, 15 to 20% of it. If they're lucky, that's on the high end. Right. And that's most, of course you have your handful of cases like a JD who was able to buy back pretty much all of his masters and own it, you know, and enterprise in different ways, but that's not most of the cases. Mm -hmm. Most of the cases in the mainstream, they never own it. And a lot of that came from my love of jazz music, but mm -hmm. not just the music, the history. Mm. And understanding how many estates either never got set up mm -hmm. or how much music basically fell in the laps of the label and mm. they owned it forever. And, you know, 70 years passed by and whoever this label's estate was connected to in the families, that's who lived from this music. And that's who is still living from this music. And, you know, we see what artists like De La Soul is going through. Yeah, you man, know, it's, it's such a silly thing. It's so, to me, it's so easy. It's like we're in this digital space. Yo, yeah. let them have most of that ownership. Yeah. Don't take all of it and That's then right. say, we're going to put it up digital. That's crazy. Right, we still fight for It's like, y'all did this deal before this existed and yeah. now it's here. Let's work out a deal that makes sense for today instead yeah. of Tommy Boy being greedy and saying, yo, yeah. We don't want to share any of it. Yeah. We own it. I'm like, we're still fighting. And then for not be willing to sell you back your masters. Right. right. Because they're like, yo, when we did this deal, you know, us as a major label, we're not in the business of selling anyone or giving back anyone the ownership of their masters. That's not yeah. what the plan ever was. Yeah. Can you, you know? can you explain to our listeners here um what 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 is a three sixty deal? 
Absolutely. So you know 360 is full circle, right? Mm -hmm. So you hear the old saying, a nickel bag gets sold in the park, I went in. <laughs> That's the 360 <laughs> deal. So you're an artist on a label. And really, I want to say uh, Lior Cohen had a lot to do with the creation of the 360 deal. And long story short, it was created because the digital music revolution ushered in and a lot of things changed in terms of uh, brick-and-mortar stores, physical distribution, physical copies, and record sales. So labels were struggling to find a way to stay afloat. So then they start hiring or assigning all of these new millennial artists who really didn't have a clue about business a lot of the times, but they knew they wanted to have fame and notoriety and make money. So now the labels take pretty much a percentage of everything you do. Once upon a time, labels had no attachment to your shows and merchandise. Right, right. Or if you enterprise and you become, you know, a movie star in a film, labels have, you know, basically um, access to acquire some of the percentage of pretty much anything you do. So if you wrote a book and you're in a 360 deal, a percentage of that book is owned by the label. Mm. If you're selling merchandise on a tour, the merchandise and the show money, a percentage of that is owned by the label. label yeah. If you're in a movie, if your music gets licensed to a movie, the percentage, basically everything you can think of that an artist can do in the limelight of working with a major label, the label has interest and percentage ownership right. of all of those moves. And of course, depending on, you know, who your attorney is, what level you are on as an artist, that varies the percentages, but the bottom line is it locks labels into all of any ventures that you would get into, which is totally unfair right. because you as the artist are doing most of the work and you're the one pushing through a lot of these deals and enterprising deals with your own team and the label sits back and collects. And sometimes it's pretty much for the length of you know whatever the deal is <laughs> right and you know there's just so much i guess discrepancy we could go on and on about Definitely. just like the intricacies of these record deals and how they're just so unfair and a lot of times when you think an artist is making money because they got a million dollar deal you didn't realize that million dollar deal was for eight albums there's nine albums and it's like that's no money when you really break it down wow on what it costs to even facilitate that amount of music, et cetera. It's pretty much you're paying for creating the music and creating the assets that's going to market the music. Right. You know, it's not like you just have this money in your account <laughs> to go buck wild and start doing whatever you want. Exactly. And that's a big misconception. Wow. Yo, you said a mouthful, Jr. Man, thank you so much for expounding on that, man. Yeah, I yeah. I just knew that he would be perfect for this discussion. You know, um, I I, I yeah, let me man. yeah, let me just say too, like for people that are listening, you, if you're just tuning in or you're just checking out the show, I have my brother John Robinson, aka Lil Side Jr. Lil Side on the line. You know, holding it down, giving us some knowledge here about the business. Now let me let me ask you, Jr. Enterprising and ownership within hip hop. Why is yes. that something that's so important to you, and how you know how does that affect 
the generation, the the future generations to come with hip hop? Because that's what real legacy in music and creative ventures is. That's mm. the definition of it. You know, if you own your music, if you own your book, if you own, you know, all of these different enterprising assets that you release to the world, even if you don't own all of it, if you own the bigger percentage, then that allows, you know, all of this music I'm doing, it means what it means now, but we've seen the cycle. We've seen the cycle of music that came out 25 years ago, 50 years ago and more end up in the biggest movies as the soundtrack mm. license, sync licensing on commercials, sync licensing in video games, in all these documentaries, etc. And imagine if everyone had ownership of this, what their families could yeah, benefit from, exactly. from all these enterprising ventures 25, 30, 50 years later. So it's like, I feel like as an artist, it's my duty to make sure my younger family members understand what publishing is, understand right. the options they have to create films around, you know, the journey that happened, create merchandise, uh, re-release and digitally remaster music 25 years later because mm -hmm. it's a 50-year anniversary box set piece, you know, whatever they want to do, they have access to this. And I feel like that's the reason to have ownership. Mm -hmm. You know, I used to always say it's for now, but it's really for later. Right. And, right. you know, so many of us, we forget, especially us hip hoppers, most of the music that we sample and all the artists we consider legendary and amazing and next level, at the time they were making that music, they were probably trying to just keep the lights on and eat food every night. Wow. You know what I'm saying? But it took time to get that music to this legendary status and a lot of times it became legendary because of us re uh, reviving it by sampling it and bringing it to light etc but then also people just connecting to the history and understanding like oh wow this person played with that person this person was doing this and that and the only reason we don't know more about it is because the business wasn't set up a certain way so the family had ownership and know-how of keeping the torch lit and keeping the fire lit and really keeping the legacy alive and well. So I feel like it's bigger than just ownership. It's mm -hmm. more about like really setting up your estate properly, teaching right. your family how to really uh, continue this thing and make it a vehicle. Mm -hmm. You know, there are examples out there like the Miles, the da Miles Davis estate. John Coltrane has, you know, his thing together. And so many people, Max Roach, a lot of just different musicians who have their thing together because their families were, you know, in place with the music and able to continue on the legacy and keep it alive and do different things, you know. So, like, when the Miles Davis movie came out, his family's connected to that. You know what I'm saying? When yes. these documentaries come out, he's connected. When the merchandising and different things come out, the families are connected. Definitely. You know, and I think that's the reason to really be keen towards ownership because it's like this music, uh, I guess, becomes more valuable as time goes. Right. These right. stories become more valuable. Yes, indeed. You know, JR, I also wanted to ask you too, man, like, I know you're a busy person. Like, just 
for people to actually get a window into what your, you know, your average day is like in terms of like balancing your business decisions or your business objectives along with your artistry. What are some things yeah. like you do like on a regular to keep yourself disciplined on both levels? Well, I, I feel like one of the main things I do is I do my best to constantly stay around and build with people that almost intimidate me in a way mm. where I feel like, damn, man, these people are so next level. The stuff they're talking about, I'm not even ready for. And when I'm around enough of those conversations and connections or phone calls, it becomes a norm. And then it's time to level up to the next. So that's one of the things I do to keep me sharp. I like hearing people talk about things I'm not even up on yet or right. don't even know yet. Right, right. You know, so it's basically don't be the smartest person in the room. Don't be the smartest person in your cipher. Otherwise, yeah, you'll be complacent and stagnant in a sense. So that's one thing. Another thing I would say, make it a lifestyle. Don't separate it from life. Mm. You know, I don't, I don't have to wake up every day and say, yo, JR, be hip hop and make sure that you think about these things. It's a part of my life. So mm -hmm. it's like the music ideas, the, you know, book education idea. I, I include it all in the lifestyle mm. seamlessly where I feel like it's not separate. It's you know, all enterprising and it, it all connects, you know. You know, so I, I feel like the same people who were listening to the music mm. in the 90s, they're parents now and they would read my book because right. yeah. the book gives them a lens into youth culture and what their kids are doing, what their kids are thinking about, etc. So it's, you know, it's just really growing and feeding the, fan, the same fan base that was rocking with me 20 years ago, mm. thinking about what are they thinking like now? Mm. And what are the things that I'm doing that work well with that? And how do I get that to them so they know I'm doing it and staying abreast in that way? And I think just the average, uh, the average day is really using certain tools. You know, before I used to pride myself on staying connected with all these different meetings and things like that, just off the top of the head. Mm -hmm. You know, perfect example, tonight's phone call, yo, I put it on the calendar and set a reminder. Yes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? To yes. make sure I was on point. But I do that for all my calls. If I'm talking to someone like, yo, let's build in two weeks on Thursday at two o'clock, they don't realize they're saying that I'm putting it on my calendar, setting a reminder to remind me at 1.50 yeah. that I got this call. Yeah. So when they get on the conference call at 159, I'm already there because my alarm was set to be there two minutes early. Yeah, man. Just that, to be that much on point. That's integrity. You know, right and just, just using, basically take advantage of a lot of the tools that we have. I was going to say that using, using technology to benefit you, man. We are living in an age where there's apps for so many different things that can help you yeah, to man. be more successful yeah. on a business level. So I, I could definitely Absolutely. see that. Yeah, definitely. So I, yeah, and I feel like also keeping, understanding that, number one, you can't do everything in a day. Yeah. And the most, the biggest thing I do is respect the process. You know, when mm. there's people who come to me all the time, yo, I had this meeting, it's crazy, yo, they're going to invest 1.3 million next week. And, you know, I'll very calmly say, 
No, they're not, man. That's not how business works. Mm. That type of business move and that type of venture for one point anything, that takes time, man. And so maybe they did tell you that, but I guarantee you it's going to take a lot more time than that. Yeah. Or someone with a business idea, y'all been doing this for a year, son, it's time to break through. And I'm like, yo, to be honest, in my experience, any real business venture that's going to break through, it takes seven to 10 years to really make it happen for right. real. You know? I'm and so glad you said that, man. it seems like it yeah. happens faster, if you really dig deep, even those pre-levels of building it, those years count too. And it's like, you don't see a lot of times, but you'll say, oh, this artist came out of nowhere. No, they didn't. They've been doing their thing. You're just discovering them now, but they've been working, especially if it's real. So the realest jewel I learned is anything great takes time. Absolutely. If it got there real quick, it's not that great. And the foundation's kind of shaky and it probably won't last, you know? Yeah. And for I would say this for my musicians out there. One of my OGs said this to me and I live by this, you know? And I'll say this, like I've never been the artist and I feel blessed for it. I've traveled, shoot, to 20 plus countries in the name of hip hop culture. I've never once knocked on anyone's door to try to get there. A lot of it's been the jewel of music's a circle. Stop chasing the music, you won't catch it, but it comes back around, be ready for it when it comes back around. That's how you catch it, mm -hmm. being ready. You know, preparation, meets opportunity that equals success period be ready for these opportunities when they come around and a lot of people spend time chasing the music or chasing new people instead of focusing on the people that rock with you already mm. you know you're trying to find new people and you're ignoring the folks who've been there right. and who would rock with you anyway instead of curating that audience right you know yeah, people real. think um you know social media etc it's a great tool but you know what the best way to keep in tune with your fan base is? Email. It's the mm. best way. Mm. It's been the, it's the it's test direct, of times. It's been there better than having someone's phone number. It's People's phone number change more than their emails do. It's interesting that you say you that because I've seen uh, De La Soul work that seamlessly. You know, yeah, with their own website. Yeah. They, stay, they get people on the email list. I get emails from them whenever they release yeah, and stuff. Same thing with Ghostface. He does that as well. And um, a lot of people are catching on to that stuff, man. But I just wanted to go into like something that you had said earlier. I was like, now it makes sense to me when I was coming up listening to rap in the 90s and in the 80s, why it took not even just hip hop, just music in general, R&B, like why it would take an artist to drop once every four years, or once every three years or once every five years because of the process in between that time of promoting the album, you know, mm -hmm. making the album, mm -hmm. and now you got to spend another two years touring the album, you know, now like yeah. you're talking about making another new album, you know, that's that's like how much more time? So I used to be like, why does it take them so long to do that? You know, and then Dayla yeah. was just mentioning that they lost a lot of quality of life, you know, with regards to when that, that time on Tommy Boy, when it was in between three feet high and rising and De La Soul is dead and mm -hmm. they basically really didn't recoup anything from record sales so they had to make their money because the 360 deals wasn't in play during that time through the shows so they spent a majority of their exactly. time touring 
missing out on baseball games for their kids, all of these other yep. things because I had to be on the road touring. <laughs> I'm like, yo, that was terrible. Yeah, man. You know, and that's the thing that a lot has changed since then. So I feel like that process is a lot different now because even if you think back then, I mean, think about how many albums you would have in the span of a year that could pretty much hold you down for a whole year. Like you're not looking for 12 albums that year to listen to. There's a time where, yo man, you can listen to a handful of albums for the year and be yeah, good. Yeah. And then the next come out and you're good. And you know, they just had more, I guess, replay value, you know, back then it was a different time and it wasn't this easy way of deploying music. Now it takes less time. You know, sometimes if you're promoting an album, for even three months before it comes out, that's too long. It's almost like people are done hearing about teasers and promotions. You don't even need that anymore. And then artists like Beyonce really killed it when she just, you know, yo, the album comes out when? Midnight. Boom. <laughs> or not even tell you. Actually, she took it to all the artists. We're the ones who do that now. Yo, new joint coming midnight. Yeah. She didn't even tell people. She just put it out. Yeah. Period. How it's does that happen today? How has that independence worked in your favor? Like that whole idea of being able to just push the button and say, I'm going to drop an album Stream. midnight right. or I'm going <laughs> to do something special and I'm going I'm to be the one that's actually coordinating it fully. Like how did that benefit you um, as an artist, you know, successfully? You know what? I feel like it, it's give or take. Like sometimes mm -hmm. I feel like it is a benefit. Okay. Other times, I feel like most artists like myself, um, shoot, wish we had more resources to market right. so that it could reach more people in this powerful way in a shorter amount of time. Definitely. So it's like when you're doing it independent, if you don't have like, you know, those monetary resources to put into the marketing, but not just the money, the know-how and the planning, because in my opinion, especially now, people want different experiences around the music. They're mm -hmm. tired of the same old thing. Yeah. You know, so if you're deploying your music the same old way, yo, we got the album release party and it's done the same old way and you're not doing anything different or right. extra to engage your audience, I feel like you're losing out on a right. lot of, uh, you know, just engagement and connectivity with people that support you. And I think now is the time more than ever to trust your ideas you know, I've been around so many, that's something else I learned. I've been around so many like young emerging talent, you mm. know, like I'll even say Flying Lotus. I remember when he was just really coming right. and emerging into doing his thing, he had a lot of outlandish ideas that me as his OG at the time would think, man, that's great. You can't do that. Like, why mm. would you do that? That's too much. And then he'd do it and it works. <laughs> it's like, wow. Yeah. Okay. You know what? Yeah, yo, I'm gonna put out a video every week. And it's like, nah, bro, you can't do that. That's stupid. You're wasting bullets. And it's like, nah. And then it works. And then the subscribers go up and people are paying even more attention, blah, blah, blah. Right. And it's like, I learned a lot from that. Yeah. And one of the things I don't do is sleep on the emerging artists. You right. know, I feel like it takes this unrealistic confidence sometimes to just bust through where everyone's thinking it can't happen right. and you stand your ground and trust your idea and actualize it and it work. Right. And then you do something else and do something else. And I think 
young people in the game are not getting enough credit for like taking it to a whole nother plateau, you know, straight up. How many artists could be named that created something in their bedroom and right. made it into this grand scale platform on their own virtually yeah. based on these zany ideas and based on being cut from the cloth of digital natives or Generation Z because they're just on it. Right. <laughs> you know, they see things different. So I, I keep a close eye and ear to that. You know, I don't sleep on that. And then I've seen this happen so many times where people are dissing the young blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Oh, you're just an intern. And then later that intern is standing at the main door Large. calling the main shots. Large, yeah. And it's like, wow, I should have been cool with that guy. Right. But I've always been the guy to have foresight in that. And to this day, I work with people who are running, you know, some of the bigger uh, software and technology companies in music that I knew in their early beginnings when mm. they were interns or trying to get in. Right, right. And now they're the main plugs to all of that. So right. I think, yeah, this is a very social business and it's about relationships. It's about really being, having social skills and right. being able to connect and communicate with people in this seamless way, but just maintaining relationships, right. you know, cause I feel like that more than anything, could get you further than you could ever imagine. It's yeah. like, oh, because I've known this person 20 years ago, and when they were trying to get on, I did business with them. Now they're at the top. All I got to do is walk in that door and tell them my idea and not even finish the sentence, and they're willing to help. Mm -hmm. wow. You know? So those things matter, too. You know? In other words, don't be an a-hole. Right, <laughs> you know right, right. <laughs> like, Put it plain and real. simple. You know, JR, I don't know how many of your new followers know or your new fans may know, but I do remember you being, if I'm correct me if I'm wrong, you were the president of a record label, Shaman Work Recordings. Am I? Yes. You were a president. And I, you know, I just think about how far you've come and I'd like to know like what the experience of being a president of that label did for your career in terms of, uh, you know, helping you to be more successful. Oh yeah, it did. It did amazing things, you know. Um, shoot, with that label, you know, was able to work with people like Aloe Black. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Who's doing major things? Yes. A lot of people don't know uh, the brother Wale Oyajide. Yes, who's on that him. label. Yes. He now has a fashion brand called Akira Jones. Okay. King T'Challa at the end of Black Panther was rocking his scarf. Really. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Thanks for so, the gem. I didn't know that. All the cats who don't know that, Akira Jones. I-K-I-R-E Jones. Check yeah. that out. You know what I'm saying? Aloe's wearing his stuff. Flying Lotus is wearing his stuff. That's what's and up. several other artists are wearing his stuff to this day. But he kind of pivoted off from the music, um, went to law school, but at the same time started getting heavily into fashion. I want to say during his law school uh, days in Philly, he wound up being in GQ magazine as like one of the wow. top, you know, 20 fashionable guys and really delve into fashion, his other passion. Yeah. And, you know, his brand wound up blowing up and he's doing major things in the fashion world. You know, Exile from Blue and Exile. Absolutely. Working with exile. him in Aloe Black as Eminon. Wow. Eminon, you I know, remember um, that. <laughs> yeah. Working with MF Doom and the Special Herbs. 
Oh yeah, a lot of the special shaman. herbs was released on shaman work. Yeah, exactly. Label, yeah, working with Wise Intelligent for his talented Timothy Taylor single. Right. I mean, uh, solo release. Working with CL Smooth for his yeah. debut solo album, American Me. So oh, yeah, I mean, I yeah. I'll say all that to say it, it taught right? me so much about all levels of the business. Like really, how to see a project, not just my own but other people's projects from start to finish, finish yeah. and the post, you know, just the post business afterwards. Yeah. And what the responsibility like to, too, you know, like to be able to oversee projects and, you know, have to kind of represent for artists, you know, yeah. In that way. Yeah, man. I mean, even working with Dilla, shoot, Dilla did remixes with Wale Oyajide wow. and, you know, getting to meet Dilla while living in LA on, several occasions i mean just working with so many people taught me a lot about the social etiquettes of the business and how to really leverage being a people person and just you know someone who wasn't tripping off of like stardom and notoriety right. but right. also seeing people for who they were as brilliant creators and people you know and humans but even more so just always learning from people, always observing and watching more than I talked. You know, I wasn't the guy who runs in a room and think I know everything. I'm right. like, I'm, I'm really observing and taking things in. And I say, most of all, keeping your finger on the pulse of what's going on. Like I study every day, whether I want to or not, I'm always watching some video or some tutorial or some interview or reading some article based on the things I'm passionate about because it truly is my lifestyle. And it really started from the shaman work era, you know, shaman work. I started that movement um, working with shaman work in Atlanta, but that's the same scenario that moved me to LA. Mm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So we had an office in LA mm. and just at the time I lived there, you know, from doing business with, doom and stone strokes yeah, to, Dilla, to yeah. aloe black to all of these different people you know even down to wax poetics and just all of these right. other media outlets it was it was a lot of insight you know and i feel like it taught me a lot about what things were what things were like then but where things were moving towards right right you know real talk i gotta give a lot of props to big just you know, when Big Just sat us down, his two, I'll, I'll share these two major jewels that changed our lives. Mm. When Big Just sat, sat down Science of Life, number one, one thing he did for us that we had no clue what he was doing, he took us window shopping at Sam Ash and Guitar Center for about a year straight, teaching us oh, about yeah. equipment, these monitors, this microphone, these beat machines, blah, 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 these wires are the best wires. That, and we used to think he was crazy. But then when he got us our first deal and we had enough money to actually invest in something, he said, yo, check this out. Y'all got enough bread right now to go to Chung King, Firehouse, any major classic hip-hop studio you've ever thought of in New York, mm -hmm. y'all can record your album there. You know, order food, have fun with your friends, Chung vibe King, out and record the dopest studio. album ever. Or King, you could yeah. spend a third of that money <laughs> investing all the equipment y'all been window shopping for a year and record yourselves forever by buying yourself the time to learn how to use it. Wow. And Yo, of course we so chose the latter. Dope. That is so So we got dope. to live two years straight 
without thinking about rent or bills because we used our money to invest in that and bought ourselves the time and equipment to learn how to use it. You know what I'm saying? So we rocked the music game like our nine to five. So we woke up in the morning, went to work out, had a good breakfast, had a meeting, and then we're off into our corners in our respective music fields. Whether it was online website stuff, whether it was music production, whether it was graphic design, whether it was recording, and all of us knew how to do pretty much everything to this day. Wow, dude. I think we yo Curl, you know? I think we got more than what we bargained for on this on this on this phone call, man. Salute, man. Yeah, giving man. us a wealth of knowledge here, wealth of wisdom. Yeah. And um it, it it's crazy to me that 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 you would say all of that stuff because you just proved that there is room beyond a shadow of a doubt. Well the question that we asked you for morality in the music you're a, you could, there is you are the living proof of being a moral businessman. You know what I'm saying? Appreciate that. Appreciate that. And we could say that because it shows in your in your music, bro. Through all of this, real talk. I feel like I'm just getting started. <laughs> real yeah, talk. Yeah, yeah. That's how much passion is behind this and right. fire. I feel like I'm just getting started right now. I in terms be. of just being able to enterprise these ideas to other things. But even more so, shoot, still create on the music tip. You know, bring people together, produce other artists, collaborate with other artists and do these ventures like never before. Mm -hmm. So it's it's a beautiful thing. And I look forward to real soon sharing a lot of stories like this in a very uh, educational fashion. Because I feel like just these these life stories and experiences lend towards learning Absolutely. and education and framing it in a way where it's like, wow, that's dope. Y'all did that? Damn. I need yeah. to figure out how I could do that right. in today's society Definitely. and what that looks like today. But I think it's important, you know, to always, yeah, always keep digging, keep searching, you know, keep, keep studying, keep learning. You know, I, I consider myself a life learner. There's never enough. Yes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You can always learn more. And a lot of that, a lot of what I share, I'm very confident about sharing because I share my experience. I share what I've went through and, you know, where it may have, because uh, that's the thing. We're talking real brief and quick, but sometimes these things didn't work. And yeah. it wasn't about folding when they didn't work. It was about refining the process and tweaking it and troubleshooting to find out, yo, how can I get back on track and get this thing to actually work? You know, and I think in terms of uh, continuing to make the music, um, but also enterprise off the music is probably the heaviest lift because Mm. it's about figuring out how to take it to that level of, this is my idea. And now I'm actualizing this idea, putting it out into the world. But now I got to create this idea, uh, create this marketing and all these other aspects that goes with the idea to make it profitable and mm. make it sustainable and yes. real, yes. you know, and that's the heavy lift. It's like the ideas. A lot of times it's the easy part. Mm. Everyone has ideas, but it's like, can you actualize that idea? Yes. And put it into the world and live from it. JR, when did you get to the point where you, you know, realize, okay, 
I don't have to do a nine to five or I don't have to work. Cause I, I feel like based on my experience with you, you seem like you just been mm-hmm. on the entrepreneur grind for a minute. Um, but when did you realize, yeah. you know what, I can do this and I could self fund myself and still mm-hmm. do good, you know, still put out music and still keep my artist integrity and just really be successful on all boards. At what point did you realize, yo, I can actually do this? Yo, real talk, not, what, I, what I described to you with Big Just and the Science yeah. of Life deal, when the deal mem, I was working at Prudential Insurance. That was mm-hmm. like one of my first jobs. Mm. Um, and I was working at Prudential Insurance in the first reports department. People have an accident or something, they call in, I take down all the info, blah, blah, blah. And I remember negotiating this deal with uh, this young brother who was a hot shot attorney at the time based out of North New Jersey. And I never forget this, man. We were almost done with the deal and his name was Kevon. He called me and he was like, yo, I want to add one more clause to the contract. And we were like, ah, oh, come on, we got to get this deal. He was like, nah, this is important. And he explained it to us. This clause basically said, if anything happens, before the label was able to release this music on the label's end, then we don't owe them any money back. Mm. So before Subverse happened, there was another deal with a label called 321 Records. Mm -hmm. And they gave us a third of our uh, advance, which was basically about 30 grand. And that's how we invested and bought all the equipment, et cetera paid rent for the year at the time and you know just was making all these moves to just kind of focus on creating Mm -hmm. and lo and behold the deal memo came through to the facts at my job i saw those numbers everything was in place and i said you know what this is enough money to set things off and just jump out the window with it and like literally take a risk and i remember like signing it faxing it back and walking out the building and getting in my car and never looking back, wow. and never answering the phone call again. And that was my last job. Like, you know, and yeah. then I would say up into getting into education, when I started partnering with schools and becoming a vendor of the Department of Education and kind of working that angle, that became more formal, you know, within the last several years. But during the music, it was more about, yo, let this kickstart you into becoming an independent and just figure out like how to leverage this thing. So really my job for the most part was like I told you with subverse, we knew, yo, we're going to need money. So we said, you know what, in exchange for working at a job, let us create a satellite office in Atlanta Mm -hmm. and basically do all the work that a label would do for subverse for the other artists in exchange for our living expenses. So that was our job, and we be we didn't have to worry about living expenses for a few years, doing that, and then leverage that to subverse. Now I'm the president of a record label. That's my job, you know what I'm saying? But I'm still living in that space, and that's my advice I give to all creatives. It's like if you have to work a job, don't work a job that's going to kill your creative spirit mm. or take you so far away from your creativity that's impossible. Right to persevere or really get to the next level, like work with something that is going to feed your creative spirit or be in that same cipher or so close that it adds on and it allows you to really build your thing and move towards your goal. Because a lot of times, yo, we've been taught 
naturally, yo, go for what makes the most money. And we've mm. already seen cycles of people who make a bunch of money, but they hate what they do. Therefore, they're not happy. Right. You know, and that's what taught me that's not happiness, man. Happiness and success is really just like feeling great about what you do. Mm-hmm. And being so passionate about what you do, it don't even feel like work. Right. Like real talk. Right. Yeah, man. Yo, kudos to you, man. It. Sometimes for, I'm like two motivation. o'clock in the morning watching a tutorial or reading some article. Or it's yo, it's a, <laughs> it's, it's an ongoing thing, thing man. Yeah. You gotta love this thing. You gotta really love it wholeheartedly. And you know, I say this thing for me, but whatever your thing is, find your thing and love it. Mm-hmm. You know. And I guess I'll say this too: the best way to know it's your thing, if you'll do it hardcore if someone told you or you knew you wouldn't make a dime from it right if you would still do that thing that's your thing period yo that's that is so true man you know jr i i thank you so much for taking the time today man you you said so much but i cannot let you go Uh, thanks man yeah i cannot let you go without talking about that album that you and jay rawls put out actually let me be correct the album and book (laughs) Um, yeah, the yeah. YCP youth culture power, you know, I've been, yeah, you know, really, really talking up this album. It, 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 it showed up as my favorite hip hop album of the year last year. And no doubt. for the no doubt, reason, man. and I appreciate you for that too. You were at, too, you were at the early before the album even launched. Yeah. I was at the event. event. Yeah. And yeah, I was man. so excited, so, man, when it, when I when I was able to witness just the snippets of it. And the reason why I put that up there, brother, is because of the subject matter. And 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 mm. I, I'll keep it real, like the music is dope, the beats are dope, the flows are dope, the lyrics are dope, everything about it is dope. But I really put it up there uh because of the subject matter, because I haven't heard anything like that done in hip hop. Um, yeah, man. it is so, that. yeah, it is so uplifting and so inspiring. Like I shared it with one of my directors at my job. I was like, yo, you got to check this out. You know what I mean? Like, um, yeah. and be, and just to, you know, put it out there, you know, I work in a, with a children's organization, you know? So like, okay. I felt like, you know, the 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 album just stood for something that I've never seen, and it's just so uplifting, you know. Like for people yeah, that man. don't know, kind of tell them what this YCP album represented and how you know it it came to be between you and Jay Rawls. No doubt. Well, you know, Rawls and I have been connected for a long time. Like shoot, close to twenty years now. You wow. know, we put out an album before. Uh, 10 years ago and YCP was really a joint venture of Rawls now being a doctor of education, PhD'd up and also being in education for over 15 years. And then myself here in New York city, entering into the education space in a very unique way. Mm -hmm. Like, so how I entered in was working with co-teachers, you know, uh, Department of Education certified teachers in different subjects and figuring out the best ways to help them engage their students more, but using 
youth culture, using hip-hop culture, mm-hmm. using other engaging methods and videos and pop culture references to connect sometimes this complex material um, to the young people. And it began to give me a lens to understand that, wow, whatever y'all think y'all know about hip-hop culturally, mm. you have no clue about the power. And then it started to let me see... Right okay, every major corporation in the world uses this cultural ethos to sell the biggest products in the world to people all over the world. Of course it works in school because it connects the world. Like, I consider hip-hop Dr. MLK's dream. You know, what have we seen for real that connected more people in the way that it does since he made that speech in our lifetime. Like we haven't seen anything that connects people all over the world like that. So it allowed me to see the lens into not just the music, but the culture and what young people are doing and how young people are, I guess, uh, revolutionizing how we communicate, you know, the SMS abbreviations and the emojis and all these things that we use Young people invented this way of communication, Mm -hmm. but they don't get the credit. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, if you're able to use three letters and a symbol to articulate this complex conversation, but adults have to talk about it for 20 minutes, who's more efficient? You know what I'm saying? And it began to show me like, nah, man, you're tripping thinking that Raheem and Shalanda don't got these brilliant minds when they walk in the door and yo, they're brilliant. They're yeah. amazing, but because you don't have the lens to see it, you don't even you can't tap into their brilliance. And guess what? You can't even create a safe space for them to ever share because you're not of the culture. You know, so youth culture power was really helping educators move closer to this lane or lens and understand that, yo, what young people are doing is beyond relevant. If you could tap into it and connect that to all these subjects, et cetera, that you want to share and teach them, it works seamlessly. You know, I learned that young people speak and understand memes. So I would use memes Mm. to connect them to main ideas or, you know, themes in literary books, et cetera. But then also I would teach world wars and global history with rap beefs or social media beefs. Right. And connect the concepts to each other or teach the French Revolution with a deck of cards, you know, and just all these different methods I learned. But more of it was based on staying in tune with what young people cared about, Absolutely. you know, and understanding the complexities that came with that. And I felt like so many of these education ventures aimed towards the youth. And I'm like, we don't got to teach them. They invented this, <laughs> you know, so yes. me and Rawls. I was nudging on roles like, bro, we need to, yeah, we're working on this album because the music started first. Right. But I'm like, wait a minute, bro, you got your PhD. What yes. validates a book more than that? Yes. You know, yo, we need to work on this book. Wow. So it was really nudging roles to say, yo, man, let's do a book. So you inspired roles to do the book. Absolutely. And Dang, then roles immediately realized, you know what? I wrote a book already because to mm. get my PhD, I had to write this dissertation. Right. And, it was so many rewrites and revisions. It's, it's like, bro, you wrote a book. You're trained to write in this academic way with these research references, et cetera. And that's the credence that academics even connect with. So he did a lot of that part of the book. 
the references and the research references of, you know, all of these other academics who did a lot of this research years ago. And then I put more of the creative pop culture ethos into the book, right, right. you know, connecting the dots to how a lot of these things relate to young people today and how they could be shared with educators to really just have that lens and really understanding too, like seriously, it all boils down to relationships and connections, Definitely. you know? So it's like, if you don't have these real genuine connections and relationships with your yeah. students, you can't really vibe with them on the way that I could. Absolutely. So it's like, because I got a connection with the so-called hardest kid to deal with in school, I could tell him to take off his hat and pull up his pants and he won't even right. question me that connection because we have a real connection. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And he knows that I see him and I hear him or her. Right. You know what I'm saying? And it's, it's bigger than just, I know your name. I don't, I don't just know your name. I know your name. I know where your family's from. I know your favorite YouTube video. Right. I know your handle on social media. Probably. I know what country you would go to if I gave you a free plane ticket. Cause <laughs> I asked you, Right, right. You know what I'm saying? I know what you're aspiring to be. I know what sports team you like or hate. I know everything. And most of that I learned not even from asking you by not shutting you up right. and listening to the student voice in the classroom. Listen to the chatter. Let them talk. And I just want to say. Class, I want to hear you say what you're going to say. Yeah. That feeds me. And, you know, I just want to say um, everything that you just said is displayed on the album like in some form is displayed on the album like exactly what he's Absolutely. saying that's what's so brilliant about the album like you're actually getting these lessons or the this perspective yeah, on the album no we we wanted it to be a yeah. audio pb basically so when i'm in professional development with teachers I spit verses from the songs Wow! <laughs> as my way of connecting you to these ideas, you know, yeah. so I may spit a hook and then expound on the hook to get you to understand what this means. Yeah. What's classroom chat? Why we ain't failing. Chatter, yeah. We ain't failing because no, they're not failing. The system's failing them. And then just how teachers would say, Oh, these tests are not biased. They should know this stuff. You know what I do in these PDs? I give the teachers a youth culture test that they don't have a lens in and they fail the test. Wow. And I said, give this test to your students and I bet you they get an A. Wow. You know it's nothing saying? like Straight putting up. the test out there and then it actually proving your point, you know, that's, and it that's... actually proves the point yeah, because yeah. it's like a lot of these teachers don't really understand culturally what's happening. They don't understand that, yo, all of your students in your class got Air Jordan sneakers on but they don't know Michael Jackson, Michael Jordan as a basketball player. Mm -hmm. They know him through pop culture. They right. know him through their favorite rapper. They know him because of fashion and Jays or the shit. Right. Period. Right. That's why they know him. And you I got to say, they know if you put the Jordan cry face on something, whatever that is, took a L mm -hmm. that's communication. But you see that you think they're just silly and playing around. Like, what is going on? Why are you doing? What's this cry face? Why are you right. passing this stuff around? And it's like, nah, this is real 21st century communication. It's no different, in my opinion, than hieroglyphs and cuneiform. You know what I'm mm. saying? Symbols and code. Yes. That if you're not of that culture, you don't understand Stand it. But it. if you yeah. are, you do. And it's brilliant. Yeah, man. You know, I, I got to say, too, man. Whether 
you know, people out there agree with this philosophy of YCP or not, I think it's so dope and refreshing for hip hop because it's provoking thought. It's 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 it's, oh, yeah. it's helping yeah. you to think from a different perspective. Or mm-hmm. wow, I never thought about it that way. Let me just see. Let me mm-hmm. test it. Let me mm-hmm. see if if this actually works. You know. So I commend you yeah. and Rawls for actually putting this album out. I was really pissed to say to say that. Um, I felt like the blogs didn't cover this album the way I felt like it should have. Um, and that was also one of the yeah, reasons yeah, why I went to back. Don't be pissed, because here's why, bro. Yeah. Like, when we finished and put this album out, this album's just, like I told you, we just did a workshop. Yeah, we're going to yeah. be at South by Southwest EDU based on this album. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? We're going to be at the Hip Hop Ed Conference again at Columbia. Nice. So you're still building a on it. Based on this album. We're going to be in Albany School District based on this album. Chicago School District based on, you know what I'm saying? So it's like we knew that this album wasn't going to be the public facing mm. Jay Rolls and John Robinson album. We knew that this album was going to be more of the EDU PD professional development in a different right. way. Like we wanted to revolutionize the PD revolutionize how teachers were getting the information. Mm-hmm. And guess what? If you're not of the hip hop culture and you don't consume it this way, then there's a book and right, right, we know right. you consume information that way. But now we have this two-sided and then the music yeah. sounds the way it does because our peers are teachers and they came up in the music like we did. And there's a lot of hip-hop educators that exist that this either becomes the battery in their back mm-hmm. in a celebratory way because they're already doing these things. And this is confirmation like, yo, I'm doing everything right. Or it's the emerging hip-hop educator who said, oh, that's what I got to do. I'm going to try that. I'm going to try this. I'm going to do this. I'm gonna, Yo, this is the perfect lens into the mindset right. that I need to have. And understanding, because that's the thing. In the book, we didn't put all the wins only. Right. We put the losses too. Mm. We let people know this is not a fly-by-night thing. Right. This is like I say, this is for the educators here for the long stay. Yeah. Shine with positive vibes, it goes a long way. So this is not like the fly-by-night, man. This is a process. Yeah. And it's like you got to tweak it as you go along and constantly refine it. But I'll say all that to say seriously, brother, we knew that this wasn't going to be mm. the public consumption record. You know, although we created it where it could be that. Right, right. We knew that mostly it would be the thing and the vehicle that would be different in the education space. Mm-hmm. You and, know, but- so it, it allows us to move in a different yes. way. You know, it definitely wows educators and administrators when I'm able to use hip hop lyrics Mm -hmm. in a professional development setting, but be clear and actually come across to teachers who are not directly of the culture and they still get it. Right. We just did a workshop in Olentangy County, Ohio. Mm. You know, that's a very affluent County, but we were very well received. I mean, this high school that we were at was so amazing. It's probably the most amazing high school I've ever been in. Wow. Like, seriously. Well, I'm definitely happy to hear that, you know, success is continuing with this. I guess my, my, my disappointment was this is a piece of, uh, valued contribution to hip hop. And I felt like, and we still got some time to see it grow, but I felt like, you Mm -hmm. know, it needed to be 
represented and, and recognized in that way. You know, um, and I know it takes time for certain things to build. But when I hear people Definitely. complain about hip hop not teaching anymore or not educating anymore or not um, inspiring or uplifting anymore, like I pull out this album. I'm like, yo, it's a perfect example of that. And so don't tell yeah, me that yeah. hip hop doesn't exist in 2020 like this. You know, yeah, this album yeah, came man. out in 2019, but you get what I'm saying? Like it still exists in this time frame like this because of projects like this. So I just felt like it really needed to get its recognition um, just for its place in hip hop. Of course, it has a special place in the educational arena, but it still has yeah. a special place in hip hop. You know what I'm saying? Agreed. Agreed. Word. And I feel like people will catch up to it for yeah. sure. And I, I think as it grows, as we gain more notoriety in the ed space, it'll allow us to reinvest into the public fr uh, front facing space. Mm -hmm. And I think too, you know, Rawls and I are already thinking and brainstorming on ways to rebrand it mm. and to keep it alive and mm. well, mm. you know, mm. so we're, we're constantly thinking about that. We're constantly thinking about other assets that lend to both the book and album, just based on the, you know, the workshops and things like that, that we've been doing, we're learning more and we're realizing, oh man, if we had this, you know, one of the next things we're going to do is, you know, uh, um, an activity guide to share with teachers and administrators a lot of just front-facing activities that they could pull from and get more creative in their classroom settings. But then also the audio book version. Right. We got this book, we right. got this album. There's a lot of people on the go who don't have time to just go back and read the book and then go back to it and back to it. But they got these commutes in the morning in their car or on public transportation, pop in the audio book. So that's another enterprising idea that we're working on. And trust, we're going to continue to rebrand, restructure, reintroduce a lot of different things based around this book, but the YCP ethos, period. Definitely. Because we know that it's just, you know, it's something that has a lot of legs. And um, we know that this conversation has, it's been going on easily for 25 years. Mm. It's still new. Yeah. It's still new. And it's not even the norm yet, but it's becoming more and more popular, um, especially in the, the, the larger cities around the country. But I think it's going to be something that the world understands more and more that, yeah, this hip-hop cultural phenomenon is a new way to teach young people who are connected to that, mm -hmm. you know? And then youth culture, although connected directly to hip-hop culture, is even bigger. Right. Because it's basically what young people around the world are into and how they live and what they care about. Mm -hmm. And we see, it's, I mean, it's so much connected to that. Definitely. But, yeah, man. I, I'm I'm patient. I'm very patient. I and see. that's why I feel that it doesn't um you know, I learned that it doesn't matter if it pops off right away or it right, looks like right. we think it's supposed to look like. Right. I think it's more about staying with it and keep working with it and build it and grow it. You know, because I as it grows, that. it becomes more powerful that way when you just you know, the slow burn. You know, uh, absolutely. the independent route, it takes longer, but in the long run, it becomes more powerful. Yeah, more rewarding down the line, too. Yeah. Yeah.
For okay. real. Yo, JR, thank you so much for taking the time, yeah, man. Word. We appreciate the time that you gave us today, man. Much respect. Um, no, I appreciate it, man. And like I said, I appreciate these platforms, bro. Yeah. And just the, you know, just the energy and the, I guess, purposeful way that y'all channel out just the information that you channel out, whether it's these talks, but even before that, just sharing what's out now that you're checking out music wise. Yeah. And you know, just what you feel is the best records of the year. And I mean, I feel like that happens, but not enough for us. Right. Right. You know right. what I'm saying? It usually happens on the mainstream and doesn't always include us. So it's yeah. like, yeah, man, cats like myself, we're watching. And you know, I want to say to y'all, you know, directly. Yeah. We appreciate that. Thank so I'm you. always yeah. going to, no matter what level I'm on, open myself up to be ready for a phone call or conversation like this, you know, just because I feel like, you know, platforms like out the box been supporting me since y'all began, wow. <laughs> you know, straight yes, up. Man. And so we appreciate your you support back too, man. And, you know, showing me love there yeah. straight up. Word, word. I was in hotels around the country and my joiner pop up on music. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Back Quill, in the looking. days. Yeah, man. Yeah. yeah, we go back, man. Word up. Word we up, go man. Back, man. I appreciate that, man. I really do, man. And you know, um, we we just want to be truthful, you know. A level, what's your saying? We reserve the right to be selective. We reserve the right to be selective yeah, with what we feeling. And we just wanna I for me it's it's I wanna put what I'm passionate about, regardless if it has any hype, uh, 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 you know, that goes with it or not. I feel like hip hop has become so hyped up, like people are following the flow of the hype, people, but not following the mm -hmm. people are accepting everything, everything yeah, you know, for the most part. Yeah. It's like there's no filter. There used to be a what is whack and what is dope. And even if it was whack that influenced you to go back into the studio and create into the stages. You know what I'm saying? And all of these records that Indeed. we grew to love along the time, those things just didn't happen overnight. It mm. happened through constructive criticism. And I think that we've gotten, Absolutely. as a genre of music, gotten so far away from that, that we're afraid to be called a hater or to be called this mm. or to be called that. And the, the music, we, we lose out on the music. Yeah. And the true potential of where the music can go because we're not pushing and that really takes away from innovation. Right. You know what I'm saying? Agreed. Yeah. Agreed, man. And as you said that, I think about one thing you said, constructive criticism. I feel like nowadays someone would just be like, yo, that's whack. Back in the day, if I said something was whack, I said why I didn't like it. Mm -hmm. Right. And what I thought could be better in my opinion you know yo i thought from their last album to this album i just felt like they you know kind of like slighted on the production and blah 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 and it wasn't as this that and the mm -hmm, third and, mm -hmm. and there was layers to it it wasn't like you, back in the day you couldn't call something whack especially something that was established and notable you couldn't just call it whack and walk away it's like why what do you mean what do you think and we would cipher about these things we would reason and go back and forth about these different things but also it was like come on man when someone drops something new it was celebratory like we couldn't wait to get around each other and talk about the new blah 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 record yeah man and what we liked about it and what this track what's your favorite track and 
And I feel like that has gone away. But that's another reason I love platforms like this because right. at the end of the day, what I feel is most missing is the storytelling part. Mm. You know, like those stories connected people to it. And what taught me that was traveling. You know, mm. I would be in Japan and someone would ask, yo, that's dope that you work with MF Doom, but how'd y'all meet? Like, right. what was the first mm. day y'all ever met and wanted to hear that story? Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yo, it's dope that you lived in L.A., but what made you move to L.A.? Like, mm. what was the reason you even moved there, you know, and wanted to hear that story? Mm. Or wanted to hear the shaman work, right. you know, origin story, et cetera. And I feel like that's what's missing now wow. is the storytelling and the backstories is what really connects you to the music more Absolutely. than anything else. Yeah. That's why we go back and connect ourselves to music that came before us is those backstories. Definitely. Because yeah, everything know? was just more so soulful back then. Like yeah, KRS one said it best, like, you know, hip hop, you're giving people a piece of your soul in the music. Oh yeah. And nowadays it's just like you get all of this music that comes out. No one really wants to be soulful about it because no one wants you to know who they really are. You know? Yeah. 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 The, Everyone's trying to run away from who they really are, you know, so I, I feel like, you know, maybe if I'm the guy that actually just goes to work every day, that's boring. Somebody doesn't want to hear any about, <laughs> anything about that. So let's mm -hmm. just continue mm -hmm. to play this facade and, you know, and sell a facade that I'm not really am, you know, for the sake of the industry business. You know what I mean? So, JR, yeah, man, man. Uh, before we get out of here, man, just tell the people what you got in store. I know. You got a couple projects coming up. I don't know if they'll all be released oh, yeah. this year, but just give the people a briefing and, and where they could catch you and you know where they could keep connected with you, man. No doubt. Well, the easiest way to keep connected um, is my website, johnrobinsonmusic.com. There's okay. a newsletter, you know, so sign up for that. That's the best way to stay connected and that connects you to all other social media, et cetera. Um, on the music tip, definitely been in the lab with my brother, Four Winds, aka Invisible Hands, resurrecting a lot of the Science of Life vibes. So you'll be hearing and seeing a lot more than that, Dope. a lot more of that. Um, working with a couple soulful ventures with longtime collaborator Tiffany Page. We have yes. a project that we've been breadcrumbing, you know what I'm saying? Um, there's also another singer, Melinda Camille, okay. and my man PVD that I did a record with back in 2014. So we have some music that you'll hear very soon. And just more music projects, but I feel like what's also on my plate, of course, is this YCP venture. Yes. And then another huge venture that's about to launch um, in March at South by Southwest, but in April officially to the world is a venture called Code Society. And yeah, it's in the education space as well. And Code Society, basically, just like YCP, we're using hip-hop culture, youth culture, other engaging visual assets to teach computational thinking concepts right. and computer science concepts to young people, but how it relates to life skills. So, yo, what's your algorithm? How can you use pattern recognition to problem solve in your community? Right. You know, how can you 
get further into tech, you know, letting young people know that, guess what? You already built or helped build some of the biggest applications that exist. And when they scratch their head and wonder how, I say, yo, when you're on Snapchat trying to do that new thing that it doesn't do yet, mm-hmm. you're a user tester and then the application makes an update to make it do that. You know what I'm saying? So we've been in a world where we've been taught to be passive users of all this technology and we want to change that mindset into becoming builders and developers because we know like when young people, especially our young people, really get a grasp of what they're already doing and the lens into that world deeper, yo, there's going to be Michael Jordans and, you know, mm-hmm. Serena Williams of the tech world everywhere, right. everywhere. Definitely. You know man. what I'm saying? And we're going to mastermind that whole space too. And in my opinion, I feel like for generational wealth for our people in 2020 and beyond, we don't own a bunch of land. Mm. We don't own a bunch of corporations and generational entities yet. But the best way into that, and we're seeing it, is tech. Right. These tech innovations. Mm. You know what I'm saying? We see what Nas is doing with these technology investments. We see what Chameleon is doing with these tech investments such as Jay-Z too. All of these people investing in these tech ventures and getting their hands into this whole new space that allows us to really build generational wealth and change the lives of not only people that are living now, but generations that haven't even gotten here yet. So Mm. that's what Code Society is building. And I look so forward to sharing that next because, yeah, it's just, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, it's, it's huge. I, it's huge. Cold Society's been on my mind to get on the show, man. Um, I want to. I, w- I, w- I would like to. Um, hopefully, sometime this year we could get them to be on the show just to talk about what they're doing because that's another, you know, venture that's influ that's uh, yeah. using hip hop as an influence, you know, or urban culture. Oh yeah, yeah, Big definitely. Time. Big time, definitely, man. So that's what's going on, man. And what I'll say to y'all, man, and summing it up, yo, brothers. Keep storytelling, keep connecting the dots and keep Indeed. allowing cats like myself just tell our stories directly. Because if we stop doing this, we already seen how these stories and narratives could get easily twisted. And someone and basically else pointed to someone else. Someone you know? else is going to tell our John stories. Robinson, 200 years from now, if I'm not telling my story, it'll be some white guy from Greece. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah, what I'm saying? And yeah. I don't want that. And we don't want that. So we got to keep telling our stories and keep innovating this space, man. But y'all are storytellers, man. And we appreciate every inkling of it. Definitely. We appreciate you, man. And just, you know, continue to, if you could, just do us a favor and spread the word about us. You know, we're basically trying to grow this platform so that it can grow in the same traditions of the platforms like, you know, Squeeze Radio and Stretch and Bob and, you know, Absolutely. Mayhem and Sunset, and all these people that we grew up listening to and having those platforms. And when 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 MCs used to pay dues coming in through those areas, man, you know, you got a chance to witness their growth. You know what I'm saying? So, agreed, agreed. Well, yeah, man. Thank y'all for connecting in this way. Yes. And of course, we'll stay connected. Yes. And next time we build, I'll be up there with y'all. Yes, man. Yes, indeed. We're going to make that. Work, make, <laughs> sure, make sure we work and make that happen, man. 
Thank you again, man, and much respect, man. Uh, I'm a, you know, we're gonna kind of go out with some music from you, you know. Um, okay. So uh, I think I'm gonna go with something from YCP, you know, Youth That's Culture Power, sure. and uh, you know, we'll let the 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 family out there, you know, kind of just vibe to this, man. You know, Jr. Man, much respect, man. I'm looking forward to this project with um, Tiffany Page. You know, she really sang over that. That um that uh YCP album mm. she was really it you know impactful oh, yeah, on yeah. that album nah, too she's, man she's the icing on the cake brother and that's yeah I'm looking forward to it too because it's like although we're collabing on it she's driving the car and you know it's a, a optimal way of showcasing her talents and yeah we actually got a new song coming out Friday's her birthday so we're gonna drop another oh, song we're happy birthday speaking of being her, independent and just dropping joints so yeah we just do it like that oh it's your birthday let's put out a song it's a beautiful space to be in so I'll actually uh I'll send you the joint early but yeah we got a yeah. new joint on Friday I will love, and that's when we're gonna you know that's when this podcast is gonna come out so this Friday so people can check it out on demand okay so. dope yeah, man. So, no no big doubt. ups, Jr. Let me give you a, a round of applause, man. No doubt, man. Much what, love to out the box. What from? What, what part of the yeah. South Bronx you from, man? Originally, I'm from Forest. Get out of here. Yeah, so Forest Ave, man, right around the corner from Morris High School. My great grandmother lived there, eleven seventeen Forest Avenue. You remember? You know the nine six five building. Say that again. The nine six five building in Tenton. Tenton oh yeah, yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely, oh, yeah, man. So yeah, went from there, went to Far Rockaway for a while, then went to the Northeast Bronx, then went to Jersey, then Atlanta, then L.A. Now I'm actually in Brooklyn. So yeah, I'm on the website. In a full reading. circle, full circle movements. Yeah, I, ju- I just um I signed up for the mailing list as well too, man. You know what I mean? Oh, you just did it. Okay, dope. Yeah, I'm, I dope. just went to the website, was looking through the bios and stuff. So it's mm-hmm. dope, man. So what no which one you want to go with, man, from Youth Culture Power, man, before we get up out of here? From Youth Culture Power, um, I would say, yo, hit them with YCP. YCP. Yeah, hit them with YCP. All right, let's do that. That's the first track. Speak. Yeah, man. All right, YCP, we're going to get up out of here. Thank you, JR. Much respect, much success. Yo, peace. My teachers didn't get it. My colleagues didn't get it. But these students did. These students did. But we couldn't really explain what we were doing. We just had to do it. Because hip-hop had already been like that thread that had alleviated the differences or made the differences between us really YCP, and we do the same things. YCP, we stay connected worldwide. YCP, this is how we live life. YCP, already changed the whole game. YCP, we all know the same slang. YCP, y'all better all get to know about YCP. It's Rose and Robinson, we building on YCP. Word, youth culture power, rain down like showers. Be aware, know the time in these final hours. It's for the non-believers who say they can't see it. Open your hearts and minds to the best kept secret. Now it's the fashion, passion, and spirit. Boundless creative vibes, there's no limit Just trendsetters, we're bringing styles they invented If you 
building with the youth, then this is highly recommended. Intended to spread the word about this tremendous phenomenon that's known to keep young people connected. It's reflective when you think of yourself. So in sync, faster than you blink, we moving in stealth throughout the world. Vocal stay global, communications moving and pacing, we always mobile. Tech giants so defiant to the norm. Futuristic mystics refuse to conform, flow on to the sound of the rebel drum. Holding the weight of the world is heavy like a ton. We gotta speak. YCP. And we do the same things. YCP. We stay connected worldwide. YCP. This is how we live life. YCP. Already changed the whole game. We all know the same slang. YCP. Y'all better all get to know about YCP. It's Rose and Robinson, we building on YCP. amazing and incredible things in the classroom strictly bringing their culture into the classroom that's one of the best vehicles to bring into the classroom to mm. allow students to actually critique on their own mm. what they think about these things you know right. one of the jewels i've learned being in the classroom the last four years listen to young people they'll tell you and teach you way more mm. than you can ever imagine and i do a lot more listening than i do talking in the classroom mm. Most of the time. Cool. I know we went over the time. Oh, man. Sometimes.